Well, the numbers are out. Netflix loses 970,000 subscribers compared to their forecast of losing 2 million. So even though they still lost subscribers, this was considered a beat, which is good news. Good news for investors. And investors are responding as this being good news. It's not amazing. They're still losing subscribers. So it wasn't like they swung this back into the positive and gained a million subscribers. That would have been amazing. But they're not losing quite as many. And this wasn't disastrous to the point where they lost three to five million, like some analysts were saying. So right now, the stock today was up 5.6%. After hours, it's currently up 7.7% as investors are trying to digest this news. So having said that, I have the official earnings report pulled up on my screen. And I want to go through this with you and give you my instant reaction and fresh take on this. So having said that, let's go ahead and jump right in. Before we start, just a quick shout out. This video is sponsored by FTX US. If you haven't already, use the pinned comment links and open up a brokerage account. It's free. You can, you can open it up and use the code Carlson to get $10 when you do a $100 trade. Now, let's go ahead and jump right into this. July 19, 2022, that's today, just an hour ago. Fellow shareholders, Q2 is better than expected on membership growth. Use the term growth lightly there. They lost subscribers, but it's their membership growth. And foreign exchange was worse than expected, stronger US dollar. This is something that every company, including Microsoft, has to deal with. Resulting in 9% revenue growth, 13% constant currency. Constant currency, for those not aware, means what the growth would have been had you minused out any foreign exchange issues. So if there wasn't the dollar going up and down in value, then the 13% constant currency means they would have had 13% revenue growth. But since there was foreign exchange changes, uh, 9% was what their growth netted out to. Our challenge and opportunity is to accelerate our revenue and membership growth by continuing to improve our product, content, and marketing as we've done for the last 25 years and to better monetize our big audience. We're in a position of strength given our 30 billion plus in revenue, 6 billion in operating profit last year, growing free cash flow and strong balance sheet. Our summary results are forecasted uh, and forecasts are below. So they highlight that they have 30 billion in revenue, 6 billion in operating profit last year, growing free cash flow, strong balance sheet, which I agree with all of that for the most part. Now, We have a summary of everything right here. Let's go ahead and just take a look at this for a minute. Global streaming paid members. Uh, They have the uh, forecast here, 220. So last quarter, they ended with 220 million point 600. So 220 million 670,000 is what they ended this quarter with. Last quarter before that, they had 221 million 640,000. So they lost the 970,000 subscribers. That's right there, this minus 9.97. And they're expecting to gain next quarter, it looks like a million subscribers. So that's low. That is low. They are obviously struggling to grow. This isn't amazing. They're not like, oh, now we're expected to grow 4 million. But I'm hoping that Netflix has learned their lesson and they're doing things the right way where they did it like this quarter. They under-promised, they over-delivered. They said they're going to lose 2 million, and they lost less than 1 million. So if they say they're going to gain 1 million, I hope that that's a low estimate and they really gain 1.8 million. It's better than expected. That's what I would hope from Netflix. I really, really hope they learn their lesson and they're giving themselves a little bit of a margin of, of safety with these forecasts. But right now, that is a 1 million subscriber gain forecast, which is just slow. This is slow going into next quarter. Hopefully it picks up 
the quarter afterwards, when we get into the, the winter seasons, when people are home with their family, people tend to do more uh, subscriber. They do more streaming, those type of activities, watching movies. But this quarter, I believe, typically is a bigger one for them, this upcoming one. So 1 million is very soft guidance. But again, my suspicion is it's very similar to this quarter. They're under-promising, over-delivering. That's what they're trying to do. Now, let's go ahead and look at their Q2 results, what they say. Revenue gained 9%, 13% excluding the $339 million foreign exchange uh, currency impact, driven by 6% and 2% increases in paid membership and ARM, average revenue per member. Respectively, excluding the impact of foreign exchange, ARM rose 7% year over year. So on a per member basis, they're still making more money. In the Asia Pacific re- uh, region, they grew revenue by 23%. That's fast revenue growth. 23%. I think this is one of their best regions right now where they're still growing. Let's take a look here. At over 900 million of revenue, APEC is approaching the size of our Latin America business. We added 1.1 million members in the region versus 1 million last Q2. So they added 1.1 million in Asia Pacific. This is likely kind of saving Netflix, this, this area. They say, due to the impact from our price decrease in India last December, as well as a plan mix, which was par- partially offset by higher arm in Korea and Australia. So they actually had revenue go down because of their price decrease in India. They're lowering prices to be competitive in India because in India, it's highly competitive there. Everyone's trying to get their streaming service in and usually they charge a couple bucks a month. Uh, so they lowered prices to be more competitive, but they say excluding India, APAC ARM grew 4% year over year on a constant currency basis. Um, We have Europe uh, revenue and ARM increased 13%, 6% year over year respectively, while paid net ads additions totaled minus 800,000 versus plus 200,000 a year ago. So they lost a lot in the European, I, I believe that's the American European market. Revenue and Latin America grew 19% year over year, excluding FX and surpassed 1 billion. It's interesting that the the average revenue per user is increasing while the paid net ads are going down. So this just means they have churn. They have a lot of people paying more and they like the service. They're continuing to watch it. Then they have some light users on the probably the smaller plans just saying, you know, I don't need it for the next couple of months. I'll sign up later when they have some shows that interest me. So they have churn. Every one of these streaming services, every one of them deal with churn. Apple deals with a lot of churn. They're churning users all the time with Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, all these companies are doing this. So moving on, they say that you can arm and revenue each increased 10% year over year, excluding the impact of FX. Paid net ads were minus 1.3 million versus 0.4 million. So they lost subscribers in both Europe. They lost subscribers in the US, a lot of subscribers in the US. They gained them in Asia Pacific. So this was probably their guidance saying, we're going to lose about 2 million. It was these areas, but they probably didn't realize that Asia Pacific, Korea, these areas would bail them out and gain, uh, gain a million subscribers. Retention improved over the course of the quarter. And while churn remains slightly elevated, it is now back to near pre-price change levels. So on their earnings report, which I haven't listened to, their earnings call, last one they said, typically when we raise prices, it immediately has an effect of causing churn to go up as people are frustrated, prices go up. 
But then it goes back down to normal levels over time. Over a quarter or two, it goes back down. And the price increases are very accretive overall to revenue, meaning the amount of money they make from the people that stay in Netflix compared to the amount of people they lose, overall, they gain a lot of revenue in the process. So even though it looks bad because they lose some subscribers to price increases, overall, the business pulls in more revenue. We adjusted our cost structure for our current rate of revenue growth. This results in approximately 70 million of severance costs and an 80 million non-cash impairment of certain real estate leases primarily related to right-sizing or office footprint. No surprise, Netflix has been doing layoffs and firing people. They have an incredibly generous compensation or severance package when when you get laid off at Netflix. You get paid for a long time, full salary with benefits. They really try to treat their employees well. So when they leave, they can leave anytime and be happy and they can transition to a new job. Um, but anyways, that's the $70 million there. Excluding these items, totaling $150 million, the FX impact of the stronger dollar since the last April report, operating profit and operating margins were slightly ahead of our guidance forecast. Earnings per share. Nobody ever pays attention to the earnings per share of Netflix. Even though they've been steadily beating it every quarter, every year, they've been crushing their earnings per share uh, projections, growing their EPS. But investors don't really care about it. They care about the subscriber numbers. EPS of $3.20 compared to 2.97 a year ago exceeded our guidance of $3 due to a $305 million non-cash unrealized gain from FX remeasurement on our euro uh, denominated debt, which is recognized below the net income. All right. So they beat their own internal earnings report. Now, I think when I look at this and compare, let's see what... Uh, Let's see what the street had on this. Compare this EPS forecast. Earnings per share, $3.20 versus the street's $2.94. So they they beat their EPS by a wide margin there. Revenue, $7.97 billion versus $8.35 billion, which the analysts expected. The reason they didn't beat that was the $300 million from foreign exchange impacts. That's the reason that I think Microsoft might have a tough time with their next report. That foreign exchange is going to crush them with the amount of globally diversified business they do. And then, of course, the global paid net ads, 970000 versus the two, $2 million. So across the board, their earnings report in terms of EPS was actually good. Their subscribers came in better than expected. Their forecast, we read that they're going to be forecasting $1 million, but let's go ahead and let them explain this. As a reminder, the quarterly guidance we provide is our actual internal forecast at the time we report. Sure, that, that's what they officially say. I'm hoping they give themselves a little wiggle room. I hope 1 million forecast is on the low side and it really comes out better. As always, we strive for accuracy, although the current uncertain macroeconomic environment leads to less than normal visibility. The US dollar continues to strengthen meaningfully against most currencies at a historic pace with the euro recently falling below the U.S. dollar for the first time in two decades, a significant headwind for all multinational U.S. companies. We have high exposure to the unprecedented appreciation in the USD because nearly 60% of our revenue comes from outside of the U.S., and swings in FX have large flow-throughs to our operating profit as most other expenses are in USD and don't benefit from the stronger USD. So they earn a lot of money outside of the U.S., they bring that money in and get hurt by the FX and all their expenses, all the things to run the business, all their content creation is mostly, for the most part, done within the US. That's a very unfavorable situation to be in for Netflix, 
for any other company that has a lot of expenses in the U.S., like Microsoft, that has a lot of revenue outside of the U.S. Our Q3 revenue growth forecast of 5% translates into 12% year-over-year revenue growth on a constant currency basis. That's still decent revenue growth, 12%. Uh, They say, similarly, excluding the impact of currency, operating profits should grow by uh, growth should be minus 3% a year versus our forecast decline of 29%. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And operating margin would be 20% versus our forecast of 16%. As we've written in the past, over the medium term, we intend to continue to adjust our business as appropriate given the relative strength of USD to protect our operating margins and try to avoid immediate action that would that we believe would be detrimental to the business. So they need to rejigger and reposition the business because of the foreign exchange, uh, foreign exchange currency issues. We forecast paid net ads of Q3, so next quarter, of plus 1 million versus 4.4 million in the year a quarter ago. This is not great. As a Netflix shareholder, forecasting 1 million gain versus 4 million last year, this is not the original thesis. When I originally invested in Netflix, I thought they'd continue to grow at least 3, 4 million a quarter. Nothing crazy. I wasn't expecting COVID-like growth, but at least a couple million a quarter because there's hundreds of millions of families out there. They're forecasting 1 million subscriber gain next quarter. It's just slow. We continue to expect full year 2022 operating margin of 19 to 20%, excluding the unanticipated 150 million of restructuring costs in Q2, noted above, and the material movement in FX from January 2022, as our guidance was set based on FX at the time. So they're basically using the foreign exchange as an excuse for not hitting some of their targets here which I think is a valid excuse. We've seen Microsoft lower their guidance for the very same reason. Lots of companies this earnings season, I think, are going to get hurt by that. Content marketing product. Last quarter, we discussed our slowing revenue growth, which we believe is a result of the connected TV adoption, account sharing, competition, and macro factors as sluggish economic growth and the impacts of the war in Ukraine. We've now had more time to understand these issues as well as how to best address them. First and foremost, We need to continue to improve all aspects of Netflix. This focus on improving our core service has served us well over the past 25 years and remains our North Star to drive continuous growth. It's why we strive for an ever better content, marketing product experience, also a pure play streaming business. We're unencumbered by legacy revenue streams. This freedom means that we can offer big movies direct to Netflix without the need for extended or exclusive theatrical windows and let members binge watch TV if they want without having to wait for a new episode to drop each week. I think this is a mistake. I think Netflix needs to ditch this. When they have key series, key series like Stranger Things, it should be like the NBA playoffs. Every week, you just have this massive two-hour episode to look forward to a Stranger Things. It, it gives time for YouTubers to make videos and theories and uh, Reddit to post about it and discuss episodes and for cooler you know, the, the cooler talk, right? 
you don't have that when you just release it on a day. I think it just it makes it tough for Netflix to keep to keep people subscribed when they release all their key content in one go in one weekend. So this is something that I think strategically Netflix is making a mistake on. I wish they dragged out as an investor their their key series longer than they do. From a user experience, I do like that they just release it all at once. But from an investment side, I, I think they should take the strategy of Disney. Some of their key series, I think they should drag out longer. This focus on choice and control for members influences all aspects of our strategy, creating what we believe to be a significant long-term business advantage. Our content offering is designed to satisfy a broad range of member tastes and providing an unmatched variety and quality titles. Our Q2 slate is emblematic of this approach. Headlines by Season 4 Stranger Things, which returned to tremendous fan reception and was a smash hit by all measures, including an outstanding Drama Emmy nomination, along with Ozark and Squid Game, yada yada. They're going to brag a little bit about their series here. Stranger Things Season 4 generated 1.3 billion hours viewed, making it our biggest season of English TV ever. They always have to say English TV after Squid Game crushed every single record. Season 4 also reignited interest in past episodes, with Season 1 through 3 experiencing a greater than five-fold increase in viewing in the months after the release of Season 4. So a lot of people are like, wow, this new season looks really good. I'm going to start it from the beginning. Or people want to watch it over from the beginning because it's been such a long series. Season 4 Stranger Things also showcased the effectiveness of our marketing strategy in driving conversions around our titles. When we deliver shows and movies that members are talking about in large numbers, we can influence pop culture, build passion for Netflix, and create an experience that is differentiated and difficult to replicate. For example, the show catapulted the 1985 song Running Up That Hill. I've heard that so many times on the radio, everywhere, to the top of the music charts. Metallica also enjoyed a return to the charts in the US and UK with their 1986 song Master of Puppets after being featured on the new season of Stranger Things. The cumulative Twitter volume for Stranger Things continues to outpace both Obi-Wan Kenobi and Top Gun Maverick, highlights the big conversation around the titles and reinforcing that our binge versus one week at a time strategy drives a lot of water cooler conversations. So they are directly, it's like they, I haven't read this in advance. It's like they directly knew that I was going to bring this up. I literally have not read this in advance. They have good argument here. I'm just saying Disney grew 70, like 60 million subscribers with one TV show, with just, uh, just The Mandalorian. And they did it by releasing it once a week. So people really paid for three months of content to watch one show. Netflix could do that. I think if they have some series, having that weekly release, I think is something some people actually prefer. When Breaking Bad came out, those weekly releases on television that people waited for every week, uh, week was something that I think a lot of people had fun doing. But they are going a different way. They have their reasons. They have their data. They're saying that they can still generate the water cooler conversations with their binge, their binge release. And this is something, just on a side note, my wife completely disagrees with me on. She loves binge-watching shows. So the fact that Netflix is one of the only places where they just drop an entire season, she much prefers that to just see what happens in a series, watch it in a weekend, than dragging it on week after week. She hates the week after week thing. So we have discussions about this all the time. This is a different graph than what they normally bring up. What Netflix normally brings up is a graph showing their year-over-year subscriber growth, and they ditch that one. It's no longer in their earnings reports for a good reason. It doesn't look good. This one, though, looks different. What do we have here? 
They're comparing it to the competition now. Now, the competition isn't sleep. It's not Facebook. The competition is Obi-Wan Kenobi and Top Gun Maverick. Cumulative Twitter volume. This is like a buzz rating. Cumulative engagement in millions and days from premiere. Stranger Things trending up by the metrics they're using to measure this, uh, the engagement metrics. Stranger Things is crushing both Obi-Wan Kenobi and Top Gun Maverick, which uh, I haven't seen all of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Top Gun Maverick was fantastic in my opinion. So uh, that's good to see that their series are, are buzzworthy still. We also delivered a wide variety of other English language series in Q2, uh, including season three of Umbrella Academy, uh, Lincoln Lawyer. They have a lot of good shows. This is one point that I made, and I made this on Twitter. Netflix does have a lot of good shows. If you watch The Haunting of Hill House, The Witcher, Stranger Things, Ozark, uh, the what's the, the chess one that they came out with? I can't remember the name of it. They had a lot of really good seasons of shows. But I think that people just burn through them so fast. You watch them in one week and then you're on to the next show. And Netflix does have a lot of low quality shows. So you end up thinking that Netflix has more low quality shows than high quality. And that's an issue I think they have. They say that they're building up their non-English programming, something that they've been working on that I think they're well ahead of competition. We want Netflix to be relevant to audiences all over the globe. And our local language titles are differentiator for us. We focus first on telling authentic stories, for local impact, but we see the great stories that can travel everywhere. Another example of this in the the market heart, I don't know these series because they're not, you know, non-US ones. Um, while we have room to improve, that's odd. They're taking a little bit of a humble approach there. Uh, Netflix is, is usually like, we got this when the stock price is high. They say, we're very pleased with how far we've come in providing so much satisfaction and enjoyment to our members. For instance, in the US, which is one of the most competitive markets in the world, we drew more TV viewing time than any other outlet during the 2021-2022 TV season. See chart below. Nearly matching the combined total of the two most watched broadcast networks. And as Nelson will announce on Thursday, our share of US TV viewing reached an all-time high of 7.7% in June. That's an all-time high, but they still have a long ways to go. Netflix needs to get to like 30%. Demonstrating our ability to grow our engagement share as we continue to improve our service. Share of US TV viewing. Netflix on top, CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox, then way down there, Disney Plus, Prime Video, and Hulu. I'm very bullish on Prime Video, by the way. I look at the series they're coming out with. Uh, the Boys, The Terminal List, all these new series are coming out with that are very popular they're doing a lot of effort in it. With their Lord of the Rings one, I think they'll do they'll do really well. But Netflix is clearly, in terms of viewing, no one's even close. People on average view Netflix for over two hours a day. Two hours a day. Getting that much attention in one day, every day for a service is incredible. Since our launch of a small selection of licensed mobile games last November... All right, so they're getting in the mobile games here. I don't care as much about this. Be honest with you, I don't care as much about the games on Netflix... I know they're but they're doing a big push in it, but I don't see this as anything. It's not the story that I invested in for Netflix. It is their entertainment, video, television, documentary, comedy, entertainment service. Near-term focus. In the near term, our key priority is to reaccelerate revenue growth, is to evolve and improve our monetization. In the early days of streaming, we kept our pricing very simple with just one plain level. 2014, we introduced three price tiers to better segment demand. Going forward, we'll focus on better monetization 
they're getting into ads here. They're they're laying the framework of it. Better monetization usage, monetizing usage through both continued optimization of our pricing and tier structures, as well as the addition of new lower priced ad supported tiers. So they're not going to make pop-up ads and video ads in your paid for tier that you currently have. They're building a new lower priced ad supported tier. Advertising. Our lower priced advertising support offering will complete or will complement our existing plans, which will remain ad free. They have to clarify that because there's lots of people that spread nonsense on Twitter and social media saying Netflix is going to add ads to all of their tears. They're just causing people to hate Netflix for something they're not even doing. Our global ARM has grown at a 5% compound annual rate from 2013 to 2021. So it makes sense now to give consumers a choice for a lower price option with advertisements if they desire. We recently announced Microsoft as our technology and sales partner and we're targeting to launch this tear around the early part of 2023. That's right where I thought they would. Very happy to see them partner with Microsoft. I think a great partner, one of my massive investments in the passive income portfolio. They say they are investing heavily to expand their multi-billion advertisement business in the premium television video, and we are thrilled to be working with such a strong global partner. We're excited to by the opportunity, given the combination of our very engaged audience and high quality content, which we think will attract premium CPMs for brand advertisements. It absolutely will. There's brands that don't just want to advertise anywhere. They want to advertise in a select type of show on Netflix. For example, Nike, Peloton, those type of brands won't just want to advertise on any show on Netflix. They're going to want to advertise on the specific shows that they believe will be the type of people most likely to buy their product. That will result in much higher CPMs if they can get it right, if they have the right ad partner. Microsoft is the right ad partner, in my opinion. Microsoft does over $10 billion in ads. They own LinkedIn. Uh, they they know ads. They, they are very good at them. And I think they'll be able to help Netflix accomplish high CPMs that they'll likely make more money based on their advertising viewers that watch a couple hours a day with ads than they will with the premium tiers that you pay for. The advertising viewers will likely make Netflix more money. We'll likely start in a handful of markets where advertising spend is significant. Like most of our new initiative, our intention is to roll it out, listen and learn, and iterate quickly to improve the offering. So our advertising business in a few years will likely look quite different than what it looks like, uh, than, than uh, than like one today. Over time, our hope is to create a better than linear TV advertisement model that's more seamless and relevant for consumers and more effective for our advertising partners. While it will take some time to grow our member base for the ad tier and the associated ad revenues, over the long run, we think advertising can enable substantial incremental membership through lower prices and profit growth through ad revenues. One of the common concerns here is, Joseph, what happens if it cannibalizes their normal subscribers? I might cancel my premium. I, I won't, but some people might say, I might cancel my premium membership and move to the free or lower priced ad tier one. You will be paying Netflix more money by virtue of you being on the ad tier. By watching those ads, Netflix probably will make more money than they would have had you just stayed on the paid tier. Paid sharing. This is an update that I really am interested in. We're in the early stages of working to monetize the 100 plus million households that are currently enjoying, but not directly paying for Netflix. We know this will be a a change for our members. As such, we have launched two different approaches in Latin America to learn more. 
Our goal is to find an easy-to-use, paid-sharing offering that we believe works for our members and our business that we can roll out in 2023. We're encouraged by our early learnings and the ability to convert consumers to paid-sharing in Latin America. People are throwing a, a fit about this. So this, I think, is a potential risk factor that could raise churn. We'll see, but if Netflix really does continue to create content like Stranger Things and other big franchises that people want to see, people will pay for it. And Netflix does need to make money. Lots of people just share accounts and they're watching Netflix for free for a long time. Simplicity at Netflix Focus remains very important to us. These initiatives, paid sharing and advertising, do introduce some additional complexity. But our approach has always been to keep our business model as simple as possible within the context of our growth objectives. In this vein, these initiatives are similar to expanding into originals, launching our service across the world, and building our own studios, each of which also increased complexity, but are natural extensions into the enhanced of, uh, intended to enhance our existing business. All right, that is, is I, I think that's basically it. So let's go ahead and look at the financials here, but that's a bit of the the business side of Netflix. My reaction to this is, as a shareholder right now, I was I bought Netflix three times as it traded down further and further. And it got to a point where I thought, you know what, I just want to see if they can turn this around, if they can right the ship and start to grow overall. I don't need Netflix to grow every single quarter. I need them to grow on a yearly basis and show that their business model really has opportunity to grow free cash flows. Because when I'm looking at this, let me bring this up on Qualtrum Insights here. This is a website available to all Patreon members. This shows the uh, the actual free cash flow of the business. I can bring up this chart right here. As you can see, Netflix's free cash flow for years was always negative. This was a big pain point for the company. They invested in content heavily because they knew competition was coming. Now it's time to actually become free cash flow positive. They've had a couple quarters of it, but now they really need to make this free cash flow positive every quarter, at least on a yearly basis. That's what they're going to highlight here. My prediction is they're going to struggle with this more than expected because of the FX problems. Free cash flow, which is a cash flow and capital structure. Net cash generated by operating activities in Q2 was plus 103 million versus minus 64 million in the prior year. Free cash flow in this quarter totaled 13 million. Not a lot. That's a minuscule amount compared to minus 175 million in Q2 of 2021. But it did swing from heavily in the negative, at least to the positive. So I guess it's going in the right direction, but this certainly isn't a lot of free cash flow. Again, we look at this on a full year basis, not quarter to quarter. Cash declined 190 million sequentially, primarily due to our next games acquisition. So they bought next games for 70 million and the FX impact of 145 million. As we discussed previously, we are now self-funding. For the full year of 2022, we expect free cash flow to be approximately plus $1 billion. They're going to generate over a $1 billion in free cash flow in 2022, despite FX issues, plus or minus a few hundred million dollars, assuming no material further movements in FX. So based on FX right now, it's going to be plus $1 billion. We expect annual positive free cash flow going forward with substantial growth in free cash flow 2023 versus 2022 due to our increasing revenue, solid profitability, and the successful multi-year evolution of our content model. We're now more than a decade into transforming our service from a licensed second-run content to mostly Netflix originals, including more than five years into building our own internal studio uh, 
produce this, uh, the majority of our original titles. So yeah, their internal studios do produce the majority of their titles now. 16% of our net content assets on our balance sheet are Netflix produced. We're now through the most cash-intensive part of that transition. As a result, our cash content spend-to-content amortization expense ratio peaked at 1.6, along with peak negative free cash flow of $3.3 billion in 2019, and is expected to be about 1.2 to 1.3 times 2022. This sounds very complicated. Let me explain this for you. This is like the biggest problem with Netflix, the biggest uh, issue that people highlight. Some people actually say, this is kind of shady of Netflix, right? If we look at the company here, we have this chart right here, which is the EBIT of the company. And it, it just looks amazing. Netflix has great revenue that grows over time, right? Then they have the EBITDA that grows over time, this nice gradual chart. But what they do is they capitalize their content costs and then they amortize them. So they amortize the expense of it over the lifetime of the content. So even though they have this EBITDA, their actual cash flow looks completely different, right? It's in the negative. That's why on Qualtrum, I like it so you can see all of this so you can get a more full picture. And the reason why is because they're spending more on content and and expenses every single year. And that's what this graph shows here. Cash content spend to content amortization ratio. So this is how much they're spending in new content compared to how much is previous content spend that they're uh, they're expensing every year. So if they if they paid for a new series three years ago, they don't actually start to expense it until it's actually released on Netflix. And people have criticized Netflix for this, but it's the exact same thing that Amazon does with Amazon Prime. They amateurize it based on the lifetime of the content. They say. Right here, between 2014 and 2019, the build-out of originals and self-produced content was when this ratio kept growing more and more, making the discrepancy between EBITDA and cash flows greater and greater. We can see that right with these two graphs. The EBITDA discrepancy since 2014 to 2018, and then the free cash flow from 2014 to 2019, it's a huge discrepancy. They say that that was from 2014 to 2019 on this chart. Now it's starting to go uh, go back the other way. It's starting to reverse. The COVID-19 production slowdowns, the shutdowns, made this artificially go down. But you could see, even without COVID, this is naturally coming down over time as they're amortizing less ratio of produced content. So uh, this is a good thing. This just means they're moving in the right direction. Their cash flow should improve over time. Gross debt at the quarter end amounted to a 14.3 billion within our targeted range of 10 to 15 billion with cash of 5.8 billion net debt totaled 8.5 billion not a lot of debt it's 1.3 times last 12 months ebitda that i like to invest in companies that are within a range of 3 times debt to ebitda not beyond that typically not beyond that our capital structure policy remains unchanged the first priority of our cash is to reinvest in our core business and to fund new growth opportunities like gaming, followed by selective acquisitions. We target maintaining a minimum cash equivalent to roughly two months of revenue. Example, about $5.3 billion based on Q2 revenue. After meeting those needs, our intent is to return excess cash to shareholders through share repurchases. So Netflix is actually going, they're going to have extra cash. They're going to do share repurchases, which means that this graph right here, the shares outstanding, It'll actually not just flatten out, but you'll see this go down quarter over quarter, which makes it so you have more equity in the company. For a long time, they've been doing, they've been doing uh, share dilution, which is a negative. Now they're going to be doing share buybacks. 
In summary, reaccelerating our revenue growth is a big challenge, but we've been through hard times before. We built this company to be flexible and adaptable, and this will be a great test for us and our high performance culture. We're fortunate to be in a position of strength as a leader in the streaming entertainment by all metrics, revenue, engagement, subscribers, profit, and free cash flow. We're confident and optimistic about the future. That is a report. That's me going through it for the first time, so I hope you enjoyed it. My takeaway from this, I like it. I know that this wasn't like an amazing report. They didn't just dazzle everyone by gaining 2 million subscribers when they're projected to lose 2 million. They still lost subscribers in the US and in Europe primarily, uh, primarily, but they gained subscribers in Asia Pacific. They're coming out with better content. They're not going to be just relying on Stranger Things. They have a lot of different series that they're building out. And I remain invested in the company. Look, I invested in Netflix uh, at, with the intention of holding the company for five to 10 years. And as long as they stay on track and they're able to grow over a long period of time, I still want to own a piece of the biggest streaming company in the world. That's currently Netflix and no one else is even close to them. So I'm going to continue holding my Netflix position. The stock doesn't look like it's raced up like, like any insane amount. It's up 12%, 14 bucks. So I might actually... Over the next couple of days, I may actually be adding more to my Netflix position and lowering my cost basis on the stock because I am bullish on it. If they can grow a million next quarter, then a couple million the quarter after that during the winter months, this company could be on track and I do see their free cash flow profile improving over time. In the meantime, Netflix remains a, a very, the valuation of it, it's at a 17 PE ratio, 16 trailing PE it's at a price to sales of 2.7. So the the valuation and the hype has been taken out of the stock. So it may be one that I actually might add a little bit more to over the upcoming week. But that's my thoughts on it. I hope you enjoyed this little quick reaction video and I'll see you in the next one.